Hello there, quick editor's note before we start on this podcast journey. I am editing this incredibly late at night, which is why I'm very sleepy and very tired and why the edit is incredibly fast and loose. But it's also fast and loose because it was recorded live at Aw Shucks, a digital convention that, if you're listening to this on the day of recording, has still got two days left to go. So if you fancy a little board game time and hearing stuff like this live, then you should go to awshucks.show. And you can watch more of Orshucks live right now. If you're listening to this anything past the 25th, maybe the 26th, don't worry. On the 27th, Check Games Edition are keeping the party going with more live streaming. But if you're listening to it past then, tough! Because we'll all be in bed after doing a big uh, convention. And with that, get ready to listen to this very janky and slightly strange podcast. Goodbye! Hello everybody and welcome to the very 138th Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. My name is Quentin Smith. I'm going to talk about some board games. We've got Ava Fox Fort. She's going to talk Hi. about some board games. We've got Tom Brewster. He's going to talk about some board games. I'm going to talk about so many board games. And we're doing this live in front of the Orshucks Spring 2021 audience. So basically we're beaming this podcast out simultaneously to literally thousands i don't know of people who are listening right now uh are you too nervous are you excited what's your describe your sort of top three emotions i would be scared if the start <laughs> of this wasn't so you know good i'm not gonna use the word <laughs> i think we just got like 20 beautiful minutes of perfect professional chaos Yes, that's true. That has made everything now seem like incredibly calm and excitable. I appear to be quite high energy. Been out in the sun today. The sun's still there. I'm a little bit overexposed. Sorry, people who are watching. Yeah. Let's let's do a podcast. Well, let's do a podcast. Let's do it. And we've got some really exciting podca- podcasts to talk about. <laughs> we've got some really exciting board games to talk about uh, on this show. We are going to be talking about Three Sisters, a roll and write game that Tom described as the dark souls of roll and writes. Uh, we're going to be talking. <laughs> we're going to be talking about Medina, a game that's out of print, but we have rescued through what some people call online play, but I like to call table necromancy and we're going to be talking about night of the ninja which i haven't played so i can't do a funny sentence um do either of you two want to talk to me about night of the ninja not now not properly but just give me like a pithy one sentence description a game about stabbing people that were previously your friends <laughs> that, <laughs> that's, that's not a, that funny. that's most board games yeah though, that's true <laughs> Oh dear. Well, uh, we've kept these good people waiting long enough. Shall we talk a bit, little bit about Three Sisters? Yes, we will. Shall I talk Let's about Three it. Sisters? I'm gonna Tom, talk tell about us about Three Sisters. sisters. I want to know about I'll all tell you three all of your sisters. About, I, lit, I do have Three Sisters, uh, but this game is not about those Three Sisters. It's about three different plants, uh, which aren't people, they're plants. Uh, three Sisters is a game about being a gardener trying to make the best garden and all of you have exactly the same garden like some horrible suburban vision of agriculture and in this game you're trying to plant corn you're trying to plant beans and you're trying to plant pumpkins and on top of this you're trying to harvest apples harvest blackberries (laughs) harvest peaches harvest oranges keep bees to make wax honey or both dig compost produce goods water flowers and manage a load of things uh in your shed and what does this mean you know what it means. It means you're filling in literally 
hundreds of boxes. So many, so many. (laughs) More boxes than you have ever filled in before uh, in this game. So Three Scissors is a roll and write. uh, And it's a roll and write that understands how good combos feel. Because every (laughs) single turn in this game, you roll some dice and you fill in a box. And that box, ooh, that lets you fill in another box. It lets you fill in another box. And another, until you're filling in so many boxes that your head hurts. I Uh, literally lost track of how many boxes (laughs) I'd done, like, several times during the game last night. Like, I kept being like, have I already done the goods over here? Do I need to do that? (laughs) Oh, my word, I get some compost. (laughs) Absolutely the hardest thing in Three Sisters is not anything to do with the strategy. It's those turns where you've got... How do you even describe it? You might plant something which causes two other things to trigger, which causes two bars to cross over, which means now you've got to hold four things in your head... And if you forget any one of those four things, it's worse than like, oh, you played suboptimally. Either you forgot to take a turn or you're cheating. Like, <laughs> which, which are both pretty like pretty serious. So yeah, Three Sisters has an edge to it in that respect. We should also quickly mention this is from the same designers and kind of a spiritual successor to a game that Tom and I talked about on a previous podcast, which is Fleet the Dice Game. Another game mm. where you fill hundreds, if not <laughs> thousands, if not tens of thousands of tiny little white boxes with crosses and ticks. Um, and it feels very very good uh we were talking about how these are roll and write games where you do the most rolling and the most writing uh that is the sort of the core of it it's like doesn't writing feel really good in these games yes it does let's make you do so much of it until your head hurts um come and tell us a bit more about the game yes i should explain i should explain the structure so uh, in Three Sisters, you will start each round by rolling some dice. And these dice go onto a rondel, a little rondel of actions you, that you might take. And at the start of each round, you choose one of those dice. I might take a two, and that two is sitting on an apiary action. And then what that will do is that two will let me fill in a little bit of boxes in my second garden. And it will also let me fill in a box in my apiary. The gardens, when you plant in your gardens, you've got to plant from the bottom up. Each You've got to start by planting. So you plant, bup, bup, and you do the bottom boxes, bup, bup. This is not going to work particularly well. Audio, is it? Me going, bup, bup. Uh, I mean, I think you're doing a sound and a gesture. And and a motion, so it's fine. Uh, And then, so you'll plant two things. But then, the other thing you can do with that dice, you can water all your plants in one region. So if you bup, bupped multiple times the round before, if you bup, 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 bupped, and then you water it, all of them grow at the same time and you get loads and loads of butt-bups, which is just amazing. Tom, Tom. You're right there, Ava. Tom, tell <laughs> them about the rain. <laughs> and some, so hold on, we'll get to the rain. We'll oh. get to the rain. So you'll also get to fill in uh, your, uh, you're also with that dice, you'll get to fill in another section. And there's lots of these other peripheral spaces you can fill in, like your beehive or your compost bin uh, or your shed full of a tractor and some jars and they'll give you all kinds of little bonuses that will let you fill in even more boxes and some of them might give you goods which will let you fill in even more boxes but at the end of the round you'll have an event and that event guess what it does it makes you fill in literally all of the boxes in your garden the rain which is one of the actions that happens three times in the game will make all your plants across your whole field grow at the same time so it's a game about planting in as many things as possible, growing in as many things as possible, and finding out which part of the game you're going to use to like give yourself an extra twist. Like You might be the person, this game, you're going to take loads of fruit actions, you're going to use all the special fruit stuff, or you're going to just spend all your time in the shed getting a, a, a tractor and some compost and a pumpkin carving kit. 
It's very good, though. We should stress <laughs> this. It's very good. It's, it's, good. it's basically like this: these two boards divided into like the garden, which has got the six regions on it, which are the dice. And then at the bottom, there's a bit for perennials, which is all of the extra flowers you can get from getting pumpkins in between. And then on the other side, there's all of these big lists of actions and, and weird things you can do. But all of it is essentially bar charts, little tiny bar charts with just a few <laughs> yeah. blocks in them just reaching up. And you're just trying to get to the top or occasionally across this little list of things. So you tick off the end and then get a little bonus. But there's so much interaction and interplay between the different things that you're doing that it's just, oh, it's just a joy. It's just, you feel mm. like, like, honestly, like, realizing oh my word it's the rain at the end of this round if i just plant if i do a load of planting and get some here and here and here and here oh wow i've got a seed spreader so i can plant three times instead of two <laughs> so i'm just gonna like cover cover everything and then at the end of the rain everything is gonna go up and it's just like it, i don't know it feels like gardening like it feels like the joy of just being like oh you put you plant some seeds and you put them in a place and then except it's not like gardening because gardening you have to wait like months and you have to weed <laughs> and you have to do everything in between but then suddenly Hey, this one is just like, hey, it's rain time. Everything's just suddenly gone. And it's it's lovely. I really, Ava, really like it. I think you might be onto something there because when you say, you say it is like real gardening and I agree um, in as much as like when you think about people who really like their gardens, they're never like, oh, I've planted a seed. Yes. And it's all like people who plant their gardens are looking out the window going... I really need to get those roses in now before the weekend because and there's not and like that's a bit of what I get with three sisters because yeah. there's stuff you need to do and actually we haven't described yet the name three sisters comes from I believe Tom correct me if I'm wrong but um a uh, a sort of native oh I don't know if Native American is uh, the correct term. apologies if indigenous, I've got that wrong I think would be best. indigenous but thank you over um but it's an indigenous farming technique where I'm now going to throw over to Tom for exactly what plants it is it's be beans it's, it's, are you you grow the corn first, there you go. and then the corn acts as a trellis to grow the beans on, and then pumpkins are also there. Uh, I think that, I think they're <laughs> going to protect the ground from from pests. I think yes, the, that's what you told method. me. Um, but it um, means that you, if you know it's going to rain, you want to get your beans ready, which means you want to have planted the corn and rained you... on the corn once as well. Oh yeah, the yeah. beans only grow from the second level of the bar chart. It's. Oh. Some good charts, isn't it, really? It's, it's really a lot of charts. charts. It's really good charts. I mean, I did literally turn to you at some point in the game last night. I say turn to you. I mean, I was sitting like this at this very table. <laughs> um, but like, I, and I was just like, Tom, this is the perfect game. <laughs> Which is definitely hyperbole, but also the feeling of it when you're in there and you're just ticking yes. stuff off and you're rolling dice and you're picking things and every turn is just like this huge bundle of things, but you're still making tricky decisions all of the time. It's still yeah. like, oh, do I really want to do that right now? Is that the right, best time to do that? There's still complicated strategies to get in there, but they all feel like just going, but, 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 but. <laughs> so now you two thought that we were going to come on this podcast and talk about how much we all like Three Sisters. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to now present you with a curveball here because, okay, so you know this thing that's happening currently in board games where people say that more and more board games are designed to be really good from the first play. That that's the mm. most important thing because most people don't play their board games more than a handful of times. Um, so it's desperately important the first play is entertaining. Otherwise, there's, you're just not going to get the sales you need. I have a, a, a feeling, because I've, I love to pieces Fleet the Dice game when we played it, Tom. I absolutely adored Three Sisters in exactly the way Ava's describing. My face looked like Ava's when, when I was talking about Three Sisters. Um, I actually <laughs> don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how much I want to play them both again. 
I can see it, but I've played it yeah. twice. <laughs> yes, and you had a great time the second time as well. And I had a very good time playing it again because of two things. Firstly, it was quick. It was super pacey the second... Well, the second time... I mean, Ava was just faster than you. You know, <laughs> tough, Quince. <laughs> but we played we it established qu- this. <laughs> we played it pretty quick. Um, and it felt... The thing that I really appreciated about it second time was that it's a game where you're filling in tons of boxes but you will tilt your strategy just a little bit towards a different thing every time once you know those things are there and like watching ava play this game of three sisters and pick the seed spreader the first time round and plant three things every time i was like well next game i'm just gonna rush that straight away and you're having these little plans and in our game my whole strategy was just to get as many goods as possible get tons and tons and tons of goods there are these uh the goods uh spaces will let you have free actions in other places which is nifty and you can spend them at the farmer's market to get flowers it's great um but my whole strategy was just acquiring as many goods as possible and then go and do a load of other stuff and in this game i was like how about i actually pay attention to the garden which i left completely (laughs) neglected in my last game have we even mentioned Um, that like fleet the dice game this is a roll and write with so many check boxes that it's on two pieces of paper yes two pieces of paper that's and the the art struggles to sort of break through because of how many square white boxes there are all over the sheet um but i do i agree that other roll and writes might have more shelf life that you might crack out more times but i think that three sisters is so good and i think it was quite cheap as well mm. and it's a, it's you know it's it's a recyclable game that i feel less bad about it being somewhat temporary <laughs> yeah uh, in a lot of ways i wouldn't tell anybody not to buy it if so if, if there was a positive review of it i'd be like yeah because i think those first plays are so good maybe in six months or like a few months i'll want to play it again i think i just i came away from it with on such a high but then compared to games like i don't know efka from no pun included has talked about how railroad inc is his like morning cup of coffee game and he will play mm. it every morning and Three Sisters to me is so thrilling. And even in that first play, you you achieve so much. Whereas games like Railroad Inc. and Welcome to, I sort of came away being like, I think that game got the better of me and I want to try it again so yes. I can get a half-decent score. Whereas Three Sisters is like, oh, first play, here's loads of points that you can have. <laughs> Uh, where do you come down on it, David, do you think? I, I, think it's, I think it's a hardy perennial um, in that... <laughs> Shut up and sit. No, <laughs> I wouldn't want to have. I wouldn't want to have it. Every no, day. I wouldn't no. want to have it any day. I wouldn't want to have it every day. But uh, it's the sort of game that I think any time someone asks me to play it, I'm going to be like, yeah, let's give that a go. That's just yes. going to be satisfying. So even if it doesn't necessarily have the same like crunchy depth, it's going to be like, oh, let's just spend some time in the garden. And I'm probably going to do one. If I have, I have um, ordered a copy. So, um, yeah, I'm going to be quite happy to just like every couple of weeks just like hey do you know what let's just play a little bit of free sisters it means we get to cross in a load of boxes and yeah and i think as well in the same space as fleet the dice game both of these games are so delightful to show to people yeah like if you i i showed my friends fleet the dice game and and they all looked up like halfway through and were just like this is bonkers isn't it (laughs) yes yeah it is yes it is and that's the joy and that's that's nice and it's not it's a game that i don't think i will get like I will regret bringing out. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, you know, I want to show these people this, but I'm not going to have that much fun because it yeah. is satisfying every time, yeah, even yeah. if you're not having those big, like massive, oh my God, this is so good revelations each time. 
I feel um, like uh, government bodies that that design things like censuses and forms should take a cue from popular <laughs> Roland Wright games. Sure, it was like if the British census was like you fill in you know charts to do with your ethnicity and then that unlocks something on a different piece of paper. That'd be awesome. Uh, I should be in charge. Should we move on, or did either of you two have a thing? Let's go. To say? Let's go. Let's go. Let's Rock go. Next hey, game. Let's talk about a game that I would play every couple of weeks. Let's talk about what I think could be. Like Three Sisters, the best game ever made. Um, <laughs> so we're going to talk about Medina next, um, designed by Stefan Dora and most recently published by Stronghold Games. I I should confess to you two and to everybody listening to this, I have a great burden on my shoulders because Stronghold Games published this or republished it in a beautiful second edition. There's also an improved second edition that came out in, I think, uh, 2014 or 2012. Shut up and sit down, didn't take a look at it then, and I regret that massively because I worry that it's out of print. And the three of us played it on Board Game Arena, where it was just implemented a website where you can play board games. Medina is a game about building a historic city in what is now Saudi Arabia. And it is the closest game to go I've played, actually, in, in a while. Um, and the way that it works is that you have a grid, which is your empty city of Medina, and then every player is given a handful of... I'm going to talk about this as if I'm talking about the second edition, okay? A beautiful handful of wooden pieces. You're going to get little coloured palaces to put down, little wooden stables, little wooden walls that are going to go around the edge of the city, and little wooden merchants who are going to form a conga line and that may or may not block architectural developments. Um, (laughs) Then what players are going to do in Medina is on your turn, you're going to place two pieces anywhere in the city. What pieces? Any pieces. Um, You could put down a couple of merchants who can extend the sort of snake of merchants that runs around the city. You can start a palace of an existing color if there's not one on the board, or you can expand uh, a new palace. So if, like say, there's not an orange palace on the board, I can start the orange palace somewhere. If there is an orange palace on the board, I can use an orange piece to expand it and make it bigger. And what players are doing in Medina is they're trying to time when to put hats on things. Because everyone has four hats of their player color. So let's say I'm green. That means at the end of the game, um, I must have, or I I wonder if you can get shut out of getting a palace entirely. But basically, you're trying to decide when to put a hat on one of these palaces that you're all building together and go, you know what? That orange palace is of a good size now. I'm going to put my hat on it. And things like stables and walls and wells and merchants, if they're next to a palace, they make it worth more. But they all have their own restrictions, like walls go around the edge of the town. So I've just talked for a long time, but at its simplest, Medina is basically a game of players making buildings more and more and more and more nice on the board until eventually one of you goes, "Mm, I'm having it. And then once you've got it, like in the game that the three of us played last night, I had an incredible time because I claimed all my palaces quite early and then the game just becomes architectural passive aggression. All I was doing (laughs) is making sure that any palaces anyone could design at any point weren't going to be as nice as mine. And that was was just terrific. Um, There's a few extra wrinkles like... When you claim a pur- the first person to claim a purple palace will get more tea than everyone else. And tea is a tile that you can spend to avoid taking your turn, so you can stall for time, um, which is nice. Uh, a few other wrinkles, but that's probably that might just serve for an introduction. Um, what did you two think of Medina? It's quite good, isn't it? It's, it's <laughs> quite good. I think I think it's terrific for house. Rel- I, I think you could get that teach down under under ten minutes, and it's mm. it's so deep and juicy. And I, I think that you're you're right with a comparison to more sort of traditionally classic sort of games like Go because it has this simplicity and abstraction to it. But it's also, it feels very like, it still feels fresh. It's a thing like super fresh because mm, mm. that restriction of only being able to place two pieces a turn and the bite that that causes in your game, like 
two pieces is never enough yeah, and like every <laughs> turn you're just going like well maybe i should put my little hat on that thing just maybe yeah. and even when you're not actually considering the, the turn of of capturing something of saying that's going to be mine everything you do is building onto this shared board that will sweeten something uh, yeah. You kept uh, using the word sweeten in our game. You were saying, oh, you're just going to sweeten that. How sweet is it going to get? And that's true. You're making these these lovely palaces that everyone's going, oh, <laughs> that's, that's rather juicy, isn't it? But, but they're never juicy enough. There's also some really interesting architectural features where like, oh, I don't know. The merchant line is really interesting. So the rule mm. with merchants is the game will start with one little merchant pawn in the city. And merchants can, if you've ever played the video game Snake, like, or, or I don't know, what's that game with the centipede from the 80s? Uh, <laughs> I can't remember. Someone in the comments on Twitch is going to yell it out. I feel like it might be called Arkham. Or, no, it's not Arkham. It doesn't matter. Quince, get it together. The merchants <laughs> are going to snake out across the town. So you can extend them, but you can't, they can never split off into multiple branches. So it will just snake all the way through the city, which means sort of directing that snake is really interesting because every merchant, every merchant piece that your palace is next to means you get plus one point at the end of the game. So there's, there's when I describe it again, like go, it's because you're looking at the board and you might look at a palace and be like, well, that's fine now. But if I can direct the merchant, then by the end of the game, when we finish building mm. the city, maybe those merchants can run past it. And then if other players see what you're doing, they might bend the merchants in a different direction. There's there's lots of different pieces to play with. And also when we haven't mentioned that um, if you have specifically the biggest palace of a color, then you get a, uh, a little extra uh, portion of points. Um, so that that's also, a, you have stables, which can expand any palace, which is basically wild palace pieces. So when do you use them? There's lots of lots of really nice emergent complexity. The game itself is not that simple, but when you sit down on your turn, you look down at your pieces and the big open city and what your friends have done and you think, my God, I could do anything with this. Yeah, yeah. and it's got this kind of like, I kind of I, I kind of want to call it push your luck, but there's 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 no is, luck in yeah. this, right? It's more like push the temptation, right? Yeah, like you've got this. <laughs> there's this there's this pull to just grab the thing and just be like, yeah, no, that's that's good. I can see ways it might get better. That's going to be worth it. I shouldn't let anyone have it. But there's also this pull to like, well, if I leave it and make something else a bit juicier, maybe someone else will make that juicier and then I'll be the one to jump onto it. But if you make it, if you decide, no, actually, I'm just going to make it a bit bigger. No one's going to get it yet. And, it's, and then someone immediately takes it because of course they do. Um, <laughs> and playing with, so you played you played the two of you together and you played two players and mm -hmm. we played three players. With um, three players in this edition or with two players, um, which is only possible in the, the edition that we were playing, there's also these neutral colored hats, which is yeah. a, entirely about being able to block a palace and just say, you know what? I can't have it, but that hat, that that palace, I'm not letting you go there, so we're just gonna put this little hat on it. And there's so many different ways to kind of push the architecture and jump that. Yeah, it's just really interesting. It's really interesting the number of ways you, Quinns, found to block me at the end when I still had a couple <laughs> of hats and I was like, oh, this is great. I can easily, they're going to have to put stuff. The ways that you found to make it so that it wasn't legal to place things where I wanted to place them. <laughs> oh, I hate is you. And that was Absolutely that's brilliant, right? <laughs> like... It was funny is the thing. I think it's... I think when I talk about sort of uh, emergent complexity, which is a, uh, a phrase I'm going to be using, I think, a lot tomorrow when I'm talking about teaching difficult games um, with Incente on that panel. But um, it's there's so much opportunities to do what you want and play how you want and be clever how you want. Like placing a palace or starting a new palace 
even just that one of the most core actions of the game you can place a palace that you know you're going to want so you can start construction in a place that's very open or juicy you can alternatively put it in an awful place so it will never be expanded and so someone will have to take it or it'll just be left there or you can use it as a blocking piece you're given a toolbox in Medina. I think that's that's how I describe it. You're given this lovely array of wooden components, which I'm sure in real life are lovely to touch. But then it's it's up to you how you want to use them and when you want to use them. Because I I feel like that's an old-fashioned thing in board games that I do really like. Being given all the moves you can make at the start of a game and it's up to you when you want to do them. I, I think as well there's something... We're going back to those neutral... The neutral hats and like <laughs> giving having those opportunities sat in front of you the whole game. There's something that's really interesting about the the difference between that in a three-player game where you have just one hat and mm. you're looking at that thing and you're thinking, is now the time? Is now the time for me to use that? Like, is this... You've got it all game. I didn't even use mine, I don't think, in the end. Um, but when you're playing with two, you get tons of them. You get, like... Yeah. Uh, do you get two or three? But I just thought we were just... We were just chucking them around in that game because we were so much more flippant with like, well, you can't have that. I know it's good, but you're not. It was like uh, it was like some kind. The two player game of Medina is like I cut, you choose. Except most of the cake is going in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a good way of putting it. It's a very good way of putting it. Uh, I uh, thought I thought this was just really impressive, and um, yeah, I I would encourage people to go out and look at pictures of the second edition of Medina because because um, it's just such a lovely load of wood, and I, I even really like the the board, the sort of desert theme. I love the little thematic stuff, like there being a well, and the fact that you can't wall off a side of the city entirely. That always has to be a doorway, mm. so you end up looking mm. at a neat, nice little completed city that one win or lose, you've made a beautiful little town together. Yeah, <laughs> a beautiful city that you hate with all of your heart. <laughs> I will say that the one of the, the one of the little drawbacks that I think is I think that we were playing it on board game arena which meant that it was adding up all of the scoring all of the time mm, and I think yeah. getting I, it's one of those weird things where because of that we could see exactly how ahead or behind people were at the different points in the game which kind of shifts the game a little bit but also I can imagine trying to keep track of who's actually doing well or even just the scoring at the end being like a little bit of gritty unfun in the middle of something that otherwise is just like so perfectly sharp and pointy and and yeah. mean um yeah so and board game arena i think takes a lot of the um the the tedious rules edges off as well yeah. i feel like if you played it in person there'd be a lot of reminding of like oh no you can't place there because that's too mm. close to this or, yeah 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 although most of that is as simple as like the, the the conga line can only extend without touching a second thing and there always has to be a road through there always is a road through right mm -hmm. so i don't think it's too bad on the fiddly rules side it's the fiddly right. scoring that's the, adding that's points what... together yeah would be yeah. would be a bit of a nightmare but hey on board game arena i believe it's is it free is it is it i think it might be maybe I, don't know. I think it's still in beta so i don't know whether that means you have to be a premium or something we cannot disclose that information at this time <laughs> we're not promising anything shall we dare we move on to our final game or do you two have any final thoughts on medina i i do have one final thought which i just i i want to just and normally normally we go no let's move on but i'm gonna say my final thought to be final the my favorite thing about all of medina was the way that we could see and this is true to, true of board game arena uh, but not in real life. We could see how far... Me and Ava could see how far ahead you were in points. And then the rest of the game was us trying to scrabble your points away. Just be like, <laughs> please, I just want some. And drag you down. But you know, the thing was is that by virtue of you claiming all that stuff at the start, 
you your whole objective was just to like keep hold of your stuff and annoy us and not get stuff but what ended up happening by virtue of it just being me and ava left fighting over the scraps was that we ended up like tearing each other down <laughs> yeah. instead of targeting you yeah. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, yeah. the way the game is played is that we had you know we have to claim a purple one each so who's gonna get that really nice juicy one now rather than waiting for it to and i just thought that was fantastic the weird player dynamic that sort of emerged from from that rule set of having oh, and that's going to be different every game that's going to be different with, with everything yeah. is do everything you're doing like we had a game like i was trying to go late in the game because that felt like my instinct but because you were going faster that i had to shift around that and start nabbing mm. I, like i nabbed one really really early i think it might be the first one to nab and then after that i was like right i'm not going to do that again that was too much um, I just really wanted that tea, <laughs> and I really, really enjoyed annoying Quinns by not letting him have that tea. Which the tea is the tea is so good in a yeah, game that's good. all about tempo and greed. Just being able to be like, no, I'm gonna do nothing. Yeah. Well, not nothing, it? just less. <laughs> well, you could you could play two tea tokens back to back, right? No, you're you're you you're always have to, to do place one, one piece. Ooh, so you do mm. always have to change the game state. Okay, yeah. okay, nice, nice work, Medina. Nice work, <laughs> Stefan Dora. <laughs> Uh, if that is your real name. Uh, and w we've got a big feature at the end of this podcast where we're going to be talking about uh, our favorite games that we previews um, so, uh, for this or shucks. So stick around for that. But uh, but before that, Ava, would you like to introduce the people at home or in their cars or wherever they're listening to this? On the moon? Is there anyone on the moon at the minute? No. In space? Maybe. Uh, would you like to <laughs> tell the people in space about Night of the Ninja? I would. Night of the Ninja is a straight-to-video 1988 note. No, sorry. <laughs> I, find, I did find that on Googling and it did make me chuckle. Um, Night of the Ninja is a game that me and Tom and Matt played with the designers on stream a couple of weeks ago. So you may have seen it. There's a video on Twitch that you can still see if you're watching this uh, or listening to this at the in the right time frame. Like you probably got a couple of weeks after Shucks to look at it. Um, and it is, I was really daunted by this. I'm just going to like have a little bit of a, setback first in that like i was like oh i didn't realize until we were playing it started that it was a social deduction game and i find them incredibly stressful particularly online particularly in front of a couple of hundred people or however many people were watching the stream <laughs> and i was like oh no if i i shouldn't have said that i would do this and i had a whale of a time um night mm. of the ninja is a social deduction game based on uh you're in teams like as soon as you sit down um, the first round happens and you shuffle a load of cards and it means that some people will be in the Lotus House and some people will be in the Crane House and someone will be the boss of the Lotus House and the boss of the Crane House and then there's there's rankings down from there and so if you're in one of those teams all you're trying to do is make sure that you have the highest ranking person out of those houses alive at the end. Um, if you're playing with an odd number of people, you also have a Ronin player who basically just wants to stay alive. Okay, so that's that's simple. And that sounds like a lot of um, social deduction games. What it then chucks in is a really, really quick draft each round where you get dealt three or four cards, three cards. Yeah, I think you just get dealt three cards. You get dealt three cards. You t look at them. You take one. You pass them along. You get another two cards, you take one, you put it down, and then and then you've got these two cards. And those will be the actions that you can take during the thing. So they might do a little they might give you an ability to kill someone, possibly without seeing them, possibly with seeing them. Um uh with seeing what their allegiance is first. 
um or just wrinkles and all of the roles and like character stuff that you generally have in a social deduction thing like werewolf where you're trying to decide who you're going to kill and what you're going to do all of those clever little roles uh, on these cards um but this means that you've got like a little snippet of information even as you go in because you know that you've passed two cards to someone and they're going to have one of them right um also what then happens wait i'm doing this in a bad order but yeah so what happens then <laughs> is that you call through all of the different roles that people might have and say all of the people with one role might go. Um, and then all of the people with the next role will go. And each of the roles has a little ranking so you can do the turn order quickly. And what this means is that a round is like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Mm. Like you could rattle through it. And that was in, I think it took a little bit longer because we were on Tabletop Simulator. But in real life, it's going to be so quick. Um, and that means that like all of the lying, all of the figuring out, all of the logic, all of the puzzle is uh, done so quickly and so sharply, but it's got all of the right beats. It's got that kind of like, do I trust you? Oh, I've got a bit of information. Oh, I'm able to look and find out. And then, and then people asking you what you've seen and you having to come up with a story that makes sense to them and maybe protects the person that you've just looked at or maybe gets people to kill them. And there's... Do you know who's, who's on your team? Uh, you no. don't, no. You may find out if you've taken one of the actions that lets you look at another player, but you may just as well find out someone is on a, the, the other team. Um, you don't, so there's no eyes shut bit at the beginning. It's just deal out your cards, get into the game, boop, 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 chaos. <laughs> and then last people standing, whoever's got the highest rank has won. And it's like, that's it. That That's the whole thing. And it is so much sharper and so much cleverer than i was expecting and mm. um yeah i really like i haven't got excited about a social deduction game in a long time because it's not a genre that i excel at <laughs> um <laughs> uh, it's one that often makes me very stressed and this was one that just took that out of it um you also play multiple rounds so you play like if, if you win around your house wins around you get a couple of you get a little bit of honor and then you shuffle up all of the cards and everyone changes allegiances and everything starts again um but it's just these little bite-sized chunks of like sharp and pointy social deduction and it works and i'm really impressed with with uh, justin gary the designer um and brotherwise game the publisher because they've just um i just think this is it's I think it's really solid. I think it's a really, really solid box. I think it's really solid. And not only that, but if you, the art on every single card and on the box cover, apart from the little like jumping out ninja, um, is this? Oh yeah, Quinz has got a copy. Quinz has got a copy. Have a look at that. Have a look at this. I'm going to be quiet, but I'm going to be looking through my box as we Have a little look through because um, so each of the pieces of art, apart from one of the people on the cover, um, is one of these. Uh, paper cut shadow box things so you've got this real layered look to it where someone is meticulously oh like shadow puppetry yeah or it's just like yeah. cut, cut bits of card put into a little box with in layers so you've got this kind of like deepening hue of a like sort of 3d sort of flattened um and it's just gorgeous it's just it's like, so good Ooh, you didn't mention you didn't mention the most important thing: tarot-sized uh, cards Ooh, that you're drafting. Whoa. Ooh, I didn't even, didn't know, even that. know that. Didn't even know that. That's huge. The thing, the thing that Matt said that I think 
when uh, we were playing that I think really resonated was that it, he was saying that the game it slices away all the the like sort of potential exhaustion um, that comes with playing like a big social deduction game like Avalon or Blood in the Clock Tower because the fact that who your friends and who your enemies are is just shifting every single turn and you're doing a different lie every single turn. <laughs> means you don't need to you don't need to own it as much you don't need to embody the lie you don't need to be that good at lying like you're, you're just as likely you're, you're just as likely to do well at night of the ninja if you get the deduction part right as you are if you get the social part right yeah. like if you do a really convincing lie that'll save you about half of the time <laughs> if you do a really convincing <laughs> deduction it'll save you the other half and it, it's that's really lovely like i think that i'm i'm terrible at social deduction games and this was just one and i lost i i didn't get a single point but I just loved having a different puzzle presented every single round. Yeah. And and also one thing that is really, really smart that we only started to to notice towards the end. Because the player that wins is one like you have these teams the whole game, but who wins is just the person that gets the most points over the course of all of the rounds. So sure, you're on a team in the rounds, but you've no stakes in letting a team win in the long run. So each round you're accumulating these points. So as the game goes on, with a group that's smarter than me, you, you'll start to understand that you're t you might just take down a person because they've got loads of points, not even bothering to listen to their lie, just going, I can't even let you win because you've got eight points. <laughs> you're dying this round. Yeah. So it's it like, I will kill... I'll kill the person who's in the lead um, because they have a lot of points, hoping they're not on my team. Exactly, because... exactly. Okay. Yeah. And and also, uh, and alongside that, there's another really, really sharp bit there, which is like, sure, you have these ranks of, you have rank one, rank two, rank three of, of each house. What happens if they're tied? The players, if you're tied, the players, not the teams, get the points. So you can have these secret allegiances where like all the twos get together and go, should we kill the bosses? Because then we'll be tied <laughs> and neither of us will win and we'll split the points because they're in the lead anyway, which is so delightful. I think that's that's just really, really solid and smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's good. I think it's really, really good. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to get a copy. The, oh, oh well, you, you've got a, you're actually editing this podcast, so you'll do the old shut up and sit down snipe of uh, ordering it before yes, you release the yes. podcast. <laughs> like, uh, the thing that this reminds me of um, hearing you two talk is uh, 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 if people are looking for other, uh, <laughs> this is going to sound more problematic than it is. There's a there's a social deduction game called Good Cop Bad Cop, um, which is basically like a it, tonally it's like an 80s police procedural where like you know your item when you start the game might be like a cup of coffee and someone else will be like the police precinct's only gun and um <laughs> it's it's a similar it's it sounds like night of the ninja that very short 15 minute completely ridiculous rounds but a little less smart and a little more silly um so if people are in the market for social deduction but just with all the wheels off and and mm. things that are worse than wheels strapped onto the vehicle <laughs> then um, I, that, that analogy didn't work. But Good Cop, Bad Cop is a beloved social deduction game that I think is in the same genre as this. That's all I can add to this conversation. Please resume talking about why Night of the Ninja's good. No, I think we've done it. We're done. We're done. We're, done. That's That's we're finished. That's it. Obviously, like we've only we've only played it once. So we've only played it digitally and only with one player count. So like there may be plenty of criticisms <laughs> that we'll discover further down the line. But right now, I'm quite excited to get it. Because I want to play it again. I yeah. want that to be. I, I, I tell you what. I tell you what. I tell you what makes me think that. Wow. <laughs> I think it would. I think it would. I probably want to play it on my first night back in games. Back it back. In I was games. just. Oh, you know. Hey. I was just thinking that. Like. I was looking at the box that I just unwrapped. I mean, like. 
I haven't played a social deduction game in a group yeah. in a long time. Mm. Maybe that's why we think it's good. Maybe, Maybe it's, it's just awful, we miss it all. We're just so starved <laughs> <laughs> for lying. Yeah. Well, well, that's been those are that's what a strong trio of games. I know. Um, I, but, honestly, when we were putting this together, I was like, that is actually a dangerously hot podcast. Can you imagine? <laughs> hey, hey, I don't want to get you too too hot under the collar, but um, can you imagine a board game night where you start off playing? Night of the Ninja, then you move on to Medina, then you move on to Three Sisters. Oh, you probably got to do Three Sisters sooner. It's, yeah, I reckon. I, I reckon you teach. end up with. I reckon you finish with Medina, unless you finish with Night of the Ninja. What's the best order for these games? You, you think you oh, finish? Yeah, with Medina? no, yeah, no, no. You're right. You're right. Three Sisters warm everyone up. Medina burn everyone's brain. Night of the no, Night, yeah, yeah, night yeah, of the yeah. Ninja. Okay. Get, yeah, yeah. Everyone gets. That's gets a good order. That's a good order. It's a bit difficult because okay, I suspect it's probably better to play Night of the Ninja with a few more players. So it's actually a little bit awkward. Mm, but, that's true. Um, yeah, no, that's fair. Um, but we have a special feature we're going to do at the end of this podcast. So currently, right now, on the Shut Up and Sit Down YouTube channel, we have put up previews of a whole bunch of games uh, with publishers we're working with for all shucks. So we did this last year um, when, due to COVID, uh, a lot of publishers can't get to conventions. They can't demo their games in the way that they uh, like to do to sell product. So we previewed a bunch of games on behalf of publishers and we've done it again. So on our YouTube channel, you can see something like what? Like 35, 40 games, which are presented by me and Matt and Tom, just brief teachers of a load of upcoming games. But as a podcast feature, uh, Tom and I have picked, uh, I think we settled on six, didn't we? I think it was six. Yeah, for, for some reason we were like, ten's too many, five is too few, but six, I think we agreed on, <laughs> I think I said because it's the number of sides on a dice, so my brain's cooked. <laughs> I, I, I need to die. But uh, before I do that, I'm going to walk everybody through six of my favourite games. Tom's got six of his favourite games, and Ava, you have, I believe, a buzzer. <laughs> yeah. So, so what did we agree on? Tom and I are each going to talk about one of these games for like a minute each. Yeah, mm, but I think you so. can buzz if you think we've failed. What did I we think? Agree? I think so. So you've got a minute to talk, although it's a minute in terms of my subjective perception of time. Because even though there is a bit of a yes. ticker on Twitch, I'm not going to remember to pay attention to it. So you've got about a minute. Uh, but if you start waffling, if you start hesitating, if you, uh, yeah, if you go off topic. <laughs> that's what happens so basically you, you're just gonna press it when you want is that the... i think that's about it i think that's about it yeah. i think i'm just gonna I'm, I'm hurrying you up and providing a service and i may occasionally post buzz uh give you a little thought before telling you who what you're what you're talking about next good 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 okay uh which of us is gonna start Quint. Uh, no, Tom. Oh, Tom. Quint's talked oh, too much. Oh, I'm going to start. Okay. <laughs> My father's worked by Renegade Games. Ava, do you want to play an app-driven Frankenstein game? <laughs> you've got, you've got, let me tell you about all the components in this game first. You've got glass vials. You've got metal cogs. You've got little plastic coffins and tiny plastic animals. And you want to build an adventure. Wait, uh, and you have coffins and animals. Stop Quint, stop talking. <laughs> You want to build a cool invention. That invention might be a time machine. It might be immortality. It might be a love potion, or it might just be a very big spider. You've got scenarios <laughs> that change the worker placement spaces available every game and add a ton of writing. I got made into the mayor of the city, even though I was a spooky, strange wizard living in a castle. <laughs> and if you creep out the town enough, they'll kick you out. There's so many things to invent. You could make a one-way lift to hell. You could make a perfect evil laugh. You could build yourself a chimpanzee butler. It's What's got the 
game. Some jokes what happens, and also Tom? Some Tom what happens? Tell them what you do. What's the game? It's a worker placement game. Worker placement. <laughs> okay. Right, Quins, Juicy Fruits, Capstone Games. Oh, bring it in. Sugar. It's not nice being put under the gun, is it? Right. <laughs> Juicy Fruits is the first game in Capstone Games' new family game line. You're going to ask, how is this possible? Capstone put out some of those brain-burning games. I'm going to reply, I don't know. They, I guess they thought it was a wise move in today's market of board games. Juicy Fruit is a game where you've inherited an island. A, 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 oh. No, no, no. Carry on. Just less business. Okay, right. <laughs> Why don't you want business in this? Because you're supposed to be telling me about the game and getting me excited and you're talking Good about business Ava, all the fun. Ava. Because I've got a buzzer, Ava. Quins. Ava, Juicy Fruit, you've inherited an island, okay? The island's got loads of boats which want deliveries of fruit. You, the, what you ought to do on your turn is you're, you, you're going to slide one of your fruit baskets around the island as if you were playing a sliding block puzzle. So the baskets are getting in your way, the boats are getting in your way. You want to get bananas, but oh, you need to move everything out of the way first. Then you can slide it, you slid it three spaces. Wow, you just got three bananas. Put the bananas on a boat, the boats leave the island. Then you've got more space to slide your baskets around. And eventually you can give the fruits to people who have business ideas. Sorry, I know you said no business, but they've got <laughs> ideas like toucan sanctuaries and ice cream carts and you're going to turn your island into a tourist destination we've already had a list of renegade business ideas so i think that's okay. i think that's i think that's your minute i think that's your minute okay sorry that's cruel sounds all right though that was juicy fruits by capstone games next tom stop the train by escape plan games there's a train and it's going very very fast towards paris france and Sold! there's a <laughs> And there is a bomb on board and you're all on the train. And for some reason, you've all got control of the speed dial. Uh, it works like uh, the game Secret Hitler, where you take those acceleration cards and then one person passes the cards to the next player. And then they take two cards apart to the next player. And that player will play one of those cards. And that's how fast the train's going because you're all controlling the steering wheel at once. Um, now, on board, there's a saboteur and they want to crash the train into Paris. And surely it's easy to find out who the saboteur is. It's the person that keeps making the train go really really fast no because there are other characters and they've got their own goals but those goals are hilariously nonsensical when combined with the game itself the ticket inspector just wants to have everyone's <laughs> tickets the engineer wants to inspect an aqueduct while the train is going 180 kilometers an hour. oh my word i want this game you can inspect an aqueduct in it okay that's you done tom next up quince <laughs> Mayscape by Devere Games. Mayscape, which is one word by Devere Games, is uh, Ava. Do you like mazes? <laughs> I'll give you. I'll tell you. There's a good answer and a bad answer. <laughs> am I in um, the maze, maze, or is uh, am I watching the maze on a on a piece of paper? Uh, you're, well, you're controlling a, a, pen, a pencil. The game comes with a pencil with no lead in it. That's a, there's a feature. Um, so you can place the pencil on your maze and move it around without making it all messy. Is this like a hidden? <laughs> A hidden pencil game. <laughs> uh, it could be, if depending on where you put the pencil. Um, but so what you're doing in Mayscape is you, you open this little magnetic box and each box of the multiple Mayscape boxes are seven mazes. And basically, if you unfold, imagine you're unfolding a map, okay? So you have to solve the maze. You have to get, you have to, and there are sub-objectives and stuff. But um, when your sort of, when your pencil with no lead in it is off one of the leaves of the of the folding sort of map, you can unfold it, which reveals new segments of the maze. So if you slide like onto the right hand side of the maze, you might unfold the left side, slide onto the left, unfold the right, move up the right. So it's 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 combination maze and origami. I thought for a game with basically no rules and a low price point, I hadn't seen anything quite like it. And doing mazes was fun. I think I just really enjoyed doing the preview video because I just did a maze for two minutes and that was the video. Um, but that's Mazescape and it's small and cheap and uh, mazes are kind of fun, I guess. 
They're like I don't like mazes. Um, uh, <laughs> ah, Tom. <laughs> so that was Mazegate by Devere. Next we have Tom with Can I read this thing? Sorcerer by Wise Wizard Games. Sorcerer. Ava, do you like deck building games? The answer is you do. Everyone likes deck building games. In this deck building game, you're making a, a sorcerer. I was about to say a wizard. The game is called Sorcerer. You're making a sorcerer. And how do you make that sorcerer? You do it with the coolest feature in the game. And that feature is you combine a character, a lineage, and a profession. So you might have um, Stuart, the necromancer of the bin for example, because each deck has a little title on it and then you smash them together and that's your deck in the deck building game. So you combine your characters and then your objective is just to destroy London as quickly as possible. Uh, every part of the game, you're fighting over three locations. You're playing cards into each location and your objective, you can either go for the enemy's characters over there, their minions, or you can just break London. And if you break London the quickest, then you win. Uh, I'm trying to think what else is in the game. Oh yeah, you can summon loads and loads of spiders. Uh, and there's a faction that does weird stuff with blood. I don't like spiders. I, I'm kind of... No, I don't want to destroy London. That would be mean. Um, but that was Sorcerer <laughs> by Wise Wizard Games. And it looks like Quinns wants to do a Wise Wizard Games again now with we did Robot not... Quest. This hasn't been planned. This hasn't been planned. Anything could happen. <laughs> it looks like white... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to ignore that. Uh, Robot Quest is also a deck builder. Wise Wizard Games put out Star Realms. They're, they're like, they're, you can see why they make deck builders, because Star Realms has made them a tremendous amount of money. But also, Star Realms shows that they do understand the, the beautiful, simple core of what deck building is. And Robot Quest is such a simple game, and I'm really excited for it. It's coming to Kickstarter next year. Deck builder, where you've and a board. And on your board is a little robot. It's got this lovely kind of, what's that Disney Pixar movie with the robot? Wally? Wally. No, other one. It's Wally. <laughs> the superhero one. Have a it's robot. Oh, Big Hero have 6. I love Big Hero 6. Th Big Hero 6. Yes, it looks like Big Hero 6. There you go. I'm glad we got there because otherwise I'd have spent my minute talking about something irrelevant and not the game. And that would be like, can you imagine if I did that? Because that would be like... Sorry, Carry on. Yeah. So Get back on track. Is... Robot Quest, you've got a deck. The deck is your robot. You're, you've got energy. Mostly the starting deck is energy. On your turn, you flip over your hand of cards. You can spend your energy moving your robot on the board in the start of Robo Rally, or you can spend it buying cards like weapons and boomerangs and mortars and shields and all this stuff. And on your turn, you're just going to hopefully play weapons from your hand that will hopefully hurt robots that are near you, or you can drive your robot into a robot and bash a robot against a wall. Basically, it's Star Realms meets Robot Wars with the art style of Big Hero 6. And if that doesn't sound good to you, Ooh. then... It, I got Tom strong. excited. Ah, I strong. am actually into that, but you're still getting a buzz. Um, okay. That was uh, Robot Quest by Wise Wizard Games. So next we are going... See, I'm trying to do the, the words because everyone in chat is getting a bit... Sorry that we're going no, too fast. Anyway, I'm, now I'm the one who's rambling. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, uh, right, okay. <laughs> who's next? Tom, Stress Botics by Two Tomatoes Games. Would you like to play a game that's more complicated than Mage Knight, Ava? Yes, you would. No time for questions. <laughs> Welcome to Stress Botics. You're robots. Little tiny square robots. There's no time for theme. We're going into rules. In this game, there are spaceships. There are spaceships upon spaceships. There is also programming. You'll program your robot to do mining and moving and going between vaults and dropping things off. You can also upgrade your robot with a number of cool upgrades, but make sure that you've got enough battery for it because there is a battery track. And if your battery <laughs> 
slips towards a certain uh, end of the battery track, then your robot will change its AI from competitive to combative, and it will want to fight everyone else's robots as they trundle around the planet. Now, you want to deliver things to spaceships. I don't know why, but you want to deliver them, and you want to protect a big square called the Alphabot. I don't understand that either. And there are cylindroids. They're called cylindroids. They're cylinders, and they want to hurt you. There are two kinds of cylinders. Three kinds of cylindroids, laser cylindroids, something else cylindroids, and explosive cylindroids. That is too many cylindroids. I've had enough. Um, I, I'm really intrigued by this because you have been quite stressed by the rule book. Let's but... just say it was the game that Tom found the hardest to preview due to the quantity of rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Rules. But you still hyped to play it? You still hyped to play it? No, 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 no! I can't, I can't, I can't play that many rules. There's too many for my brain. But I know that some freaks out there will love it. I think you should probably, <laughs> you probably need to send it to me, Tom. I'll see if I can give it a shake. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, that was uh, Stress Buttocks by Two Tomatoes Games. And next we have Long Shot, the dice game by Perplexed <gasps> with a T. I'm excited to hear about this one. Ava, do you like horses? Yes. If anything we learned like, at Last Door Shucks, it was that I actually care a lot more than I think about horses. <laughs> Good. What if they were going really fast around a track and you could bet money on them and then they could win the race and you could... I mean, That actually, sounds, that know, sounds horrible. Sounds <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, it, Who would do uh, that? I've shot myself in the foot here, which uh, uh, let's not make that joke. So um, Longshot the Dice Game is a roll and write game that is getting really good reviews because it's profoundly interactive. It is a roll and write party sort of um, re-implementation of a classic horse betting game called Longshot. And you're going to roll, and it's got these beautiful wooden horses, a beautiful little box. You're going to put the wooden horses in the race, and then you're going to roll a dice. A, a horse is going to move forward. It's going to move other horses with it. And then let's say you move horse number four on the dice. Everyone gets to do a four action, which could be going to get by concessions, getting a helmet or a jersey on a horse, <laughs> betting on a horse, buying a horse, which is actually a key mechanic that if all of your friends are clearly betting on horse number six, you can just buy it and then make a ton of money when it wins. Um, there's a no bet line. You can't bet when the horses cross that, but that's a minor detail. Um, I think it's really interesting because to see a roll and write where people are actually playing together and actually <clears throat> watching what one another are doing, the production is gorgeous as well. I am really excited to have a flutter on some pretend horses. Cruelty-free game, this, and where you can put a jersey on a rider while you're losing, it, you're losing it you're losing it you're losing it you're getting wobbly yeah, i think you've, yeah, no, I think I you've got that. it i think I you've got it that. i think you've got it you'll be all right you'll be all right don't worry about it okay. that was long shot the dice claim by perplexed and next we, we have tom with <clears throat> apogee by dtda games which i've been worried about saying ever since i saw this list yeah i'm worried about saying the title of the game because i think it's is it apogee or is it apogee or apogee I think it's apogee, apogee, because Ap it's apogee, apogee or perigee apogee. is the highest or lowest point must, in orbit. Oh, wait, I must I've got, have said it right. Sorry, that's a buzz for me. Yeah, you've got to buzz yourself there. Uh, apogee is a game about being a bunch of rocket scientists trying to make rockets go into space. You're going to hire engineers, and whoever has the best engineers gets to go first in a science sprint race. Uh, you can use your engineers to assemble rockets, research extras like comfy seats or space pens, and then you assemble your rocket, and then everyone gets to go into space and you have a go at launching your terrible rocket you'll work out how likely you are to succeed by cross-referencing the thrust and the mass on like a grid and then that'll give you a rating for your it'll give you a rating for your rocket and then you look at the planet you're going to go to and you have to roll the dice and if you get a high enough number congratulations your rocket lands on the planet if not it just stays where it is and doesn't do anything here's the thing 
The presentation of this game is incredibly sensible and sleek. It looks like a big blueprint. It's very stylish. But here's the thing. How are you meant to play this seriously when you're assembling your rocket out of the cheapest parts available, then hoping it'll go to the moon? And if it does, someone's going to give you shed loads of money because you did a brilliant job. It's just like being that guy. Done. <laughs> That was that was concise. I think you ne you nearly lost you in the middle there when you were when I started <laughs> rolling dice. But like uh, you know, we're okay, we're okay, we're okay. That was Apogee by DTDA <coughs> Games. And next I think we have Umbravia by Pandasaurus. Quins, tell us about Umbravia. Umbravia is weird. They should have called it Weird Via or Umbra Weird. Um, <laughs> it is an abstract game involved where the winner is whoever collects all of their soul flowers the first. Um, so what you as as you presume, this is an auction game where what you're doing is you are oh goodness. I, I genuinely didn't prepare teaching this. This is a nightmare. So you've got four tiles that get flipped on. Do you want me to buzz you? blind no please that'll really throw me off um you've got four tiles to get flipped over and players bid on them and then whoever has the high bid will pick up the tile with everyone's colored bid still on it and place it somewhere on a four by four grid now on these tiles are parts which might be like left curves or straight lines whenever tile placement means that a path is cut off so you dead end the beginning and end of a path you then score it and all of those bids you use to acquire the tiles that are still on the tiles are also your control in an area control game. So the bids are also control of a path, which but but a path is made up of multiple tiles. So multiple different tiles that multiple different players might have bid on show who wins the auction, and then whoever wins the auction gets some soul flowers, which go into your bag, and your bag is where you can, which contains the, the soul flowers and the non-soul flowers that you use to bid. This game's bonkers. You just have to Google a picture of Umbravia. It's very good looking and very very interesting, and I do really want to play it. But they should have called it Umbra Weird because it's it's very weird. I haven't understood anything you've said for the last forty seconds. <laughs> uh, that's Umbra Via by Pandasaurus. <laughs> Next we have Tom with uh, Vivid. This is Tom's final game. Tom's actually made it My through, final game. still standing. Uh, Vivid Wait, what? by Floodgate Games. <laughs> Vivid has you playing an Azul-like tile-laying game where you're placing diamond-shaped coloured pieces into hexagonal slots. You can place three pieces per hexagon and you're forming this big pattern of lovely colours. Why do you want to do that? Because you're going to score patterns. And if you make a big chain of the same colour across your board, you're going to score extra points as well. So far, so normal. But Vivid has a theme like board games do. And that theme is childhood memories so each piece you're placing is a childhood memory and the more pieces you put on the board the more likely you are to remember a cherished moment <laughs> and threads that you're connecting across the board are threads of memory that will connect core memories on the periphery of the board and this is a good time to mention that the board itself is one big fleshy pink brain <laughs> um, uh, I need you, more uh, from you. I need more from you here. I really want to buzz, but I need more. The last, I mean, the only thing I can think of that's uh, in addition to that is that if you manage to use lots of one kind of memory, you might fulfill your aspiration and you get a little picture of your child becoming a firefighter. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Uh, that was Vivid <laughs> by Floodgate Games. Um, and finally from Quinn's, we have one last game and we're going to go... With Scooby-Doo, Escape from the Haunted Mansion by The Up. 
Uh, Scooby-Doo Escape from the Haunted Mansion is better than... However good you think a, a licensed Scooby-Doo board game is, this is better. <laughs> so so throw away all of your... What this is is an Escape Room-style game. We've seen lots of them, like Exit and Unlock and Deckscape and other things. Um, where And it's the story of an episode of Scooby-Doo where initially the, the mystery machine breaks down outside of a house and you and your friends represent the... Oh, what, what's the gang that is the, in the mystery? The machine? Scooby Gang. They just yeah. called the Scooby like gang. The Scooby Gang. Yeah, I don't think. That's oh no, right. I guess that's <laughs> what they call them in Buffy, where it's not even them. So yeah, the mystery machiners. So, four the people and machinists. a dog in a van break yeah. down. <laughs> okay, whatever. Sorry. Four, uh, so you you end up in a spooky house and then you get separated. Now the way that this I've I've realised I've gone going to go way over time, but honestly, this game's worth it. So the game comes with five booklets for each character. There's the Shaggy booklet, the Scooby booklet, the Velma booklet, the... Yep. And Freddy and... Fred, just Fred. Daphne. Hey, Freddy to friends. nailed it. Okay. Okay, whatever. I'm, I'm his friend. Thank you, Tom. But each of these... each so And then each of these books is a reference for what happens if that character interacts with a particular thing. So if you want Velma to interact with a wardrobe, you look up, you know, 728 in the Velma book. But... The way that this works is that every character has a different verb. So Velma's thing is investigate. Shaggy's thing is eat. Now what that means is that within this enormous manner with tons of puzzles and this great Scooby mystery that you're solving with also hidden envelopes, which you'll be popping open over the course of an evening's play. Um, Shaggy can just try and eat anything. And the writers of this, get, and, Scooby's th and Scooby Doo will smell everything. And then I forget, Freddy investigates, well, it doesn't, doesn't matter. But basically, you've got three sensible people and two comedy characters. But what they've done is, like, obviously there are some puzzles which Shaggy will solve by trying to eat it. But basically, they've written a funny line of what happens when, Sh like, I'm going to do my Shaggy now. Oh, gee, Scoop! <laughs> I can't not Shaggy. Eat <laughs> that was not Shaggy. <laughs> you can I, I tell you what, if people go and watch the Scooby Doo Escape from the Haunted Mansion preview video, I do that <laughs> in full and and there's no buzzer to try and stop me. <laughs> so anyway, um it's it's it it feels very, very true to Scooby Doo. It's a perfectly solid escape from game as far as my limited plays reveal. And it's also I thought I thought it was just really good for families or groups where someone can be shaggy and just have very little impact on the puzzle but just get to read funny jokes for like good. three hours that's very um, strong so yeah and yeah i think it looks like a pretty affordable box um from some uh, story designers so yeah uh, that scooby-doo game if you're gonna buy one scooby-doo game it should probably be that one that's all i'm saying that was beautiful and that was scooby-doo escape from the haunted mansion the op and i'm pretty sure that you did amazing jobs there and that you both hate me now <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what at about game number three i realized that six was too many how you feeling Tom? <laughs> six was exactly the right amount uh i feel like we managed to get some energy there that the, the people at home hopefully were fond of that's what matters <laughs> uh thank you very much for listening to the shut up and sit down podcast everybody and bearing with us on what's been a very uh, uh wacky episode um but the important thing is if you're listening to this within a couple of days or two or three or even four days of the podcast release depending on when tom gets it up uh love you tom um shuck or shucks is still on we got giveaways on on the website we got uh we got preview videos we got twitch like uh programming we have all kinds of uh really really fun stuff we got merch uh, Shut up and sit down published a game and that's not even in like the top four things I listed <laughs> so uh, absolutely head over to the URL which is orshucks.show 
uh, to see uh, what's happening if you're listening to this podcast soon. Thank you all very much for listening and huge thanks to Twitch chat for joining us on this uh, frenetic adventure. <laughs> and it's only the start of three whole days of uh, utterly fabulous Twitch programming. Uh, so thank you all very much for watching and thanks you two for joining me and thank me for joining you. Thank you for letting us join you. Thanks for no, putting up with joining. me buzzing. I really hope. Uh, thank you for still giving me a job after that. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs>